Hey, hey, I'm Frank, and this is Blatant Frankism, a podcast that introduces new perspectives and experiences into the community consciousness and dialogue by talking to people that represent various generations and walks of life. We, the community, are creating our own narrative. Our weekly conversations will reveal the truth about those interviewed, the issues they care about, and their view of the world. Who knows? One day, it could be you, your issue, and your view. Storytelling is resistance. Let's get it. Now, as an educator, I can't do this without an objective in mind. So our objective? No. Our smart goal for this and every week is that by the end of today's show, we will all learn something about ourselves and the world as we each see both and take an action step on a personal or collective level that reflects this learning. Let's get into it. Let's warm up. A May 2018 PR Newswire article finds that along gender lines, more than 75% of entrepreneurial businesses are owned by men, but data shows that they tend to be outperformed by women entrepreneurs. In fact, data from various sources identified the following five areas where women entrepreneurs are better than men entrepreneurs. One, firms owned by women generate higher revenues. Two, firms owned by women create more jobs than firms owned by men. Three, Women executives significantly improve startup company performance. Four, women are more effective in senior leadership roles. And five, women have a larger appetite for growth. Now, in regards to race, a study commissioned by American Express found that while a number of women-owned businesses grew an impressive 58% from 2007 to 2018, the number of businesses owned by black women grew 164%, nearly three times that rate. In 2018, there were 2.4 million black women-owned businesses, most owned by women 35 to 54. In fact, according to the Federal Reserve, black women are the only racial or ethnic group to outperform men in business ownership. Now, there are deficits. Difficulties in securing startup capital and credit. The need to start while working full-time. Lack of accessible resources, having to start small because of all of these, and the gaps in revenue that result. However, by being prepared, practiced, patient, and purposeful, these challenges can be overcome. Our guest this week, Nina Green, exhibits all of these characteristics that are necessary to becoming a successful black woman entrepreneur. Here's a little bit about Nina. Nina Green is the owner of New Dawn, a collection of hand-poured candles, linen mist, and whipped shea butter, and the co-owner of Rain, an online women's clothing boutique. After attending college in Baltimore, Nina relocated to New York, where she worked in the fashion industry as a stylist and later became an accessories designer. After moving back to her hometown of Washington, D.C. in 2010, Nina began development of New Dawn, officially launching about three years ago. Currently, Nina is juggling the ups, downs, and in-betweens of full-time employment and entrepreneurship. Here's our interview with Nina Green. Good afternoon, uh, Nina Green. How are you? I'm doing well. And yourself? I am great. I am great. I'm great. Thank you for joining me today. Um, can you tell the listeners maybe a little bit of something that was not in the bio, maybe a little bit about your background? Uh, okay, so the bio I've made especially for you because 
<laughs> as I said, I think bios are a little bit pretentious, even though people tell me I need to have one as I grow. But I'm just, you know, informal and unorthodox. So the bio that I sent you just included a little bit of information about um, the businesses that I have. and But I didn't indicate why I actually started. Uh, okay. Well, I think that's going to be a part of the podcast. But Just go ahead yeah, and so tell me. Bit, a bit about why what I left out um what started well maybe once to actually you know start the business New Dawn was when I came back um to DC um I had lived in New York for about 10 years and I was in the fashion industry and just really you know getting my creative thing off mm-hmm. and relocating back here didn't feel the that wasn't a space that was uh, available at the time. Okay. So what brought me back to DC was that my grandmother got sick. Well, she had she had been sick for a while. She was diagnosed with cancer, um, and uh, she actually they only gave her like six months, and it, she actually lived like six seven years. Um, so it was during the time when we knew she was about to transition. You know, I decided to come back home, mm-hmm. and. Um, once I was here, you know, I got back into the typical good government job <laughs> that we all who live in this area were raised to, you know, yes, if you grew ma'am. up in D.C., everybody heard that in that household, get you a good government good job. Good government job, so take that post office when I came test. back to the area. <laughs> and I was suffering inside because I am naturally a creative person. So right. just to kind of work through the grief and uh, just felt like I was being, you know, boxed in. I created a candle. Why I went to candles, I'm not exactly sure because I wasn't really a big candle person. I mean, I like candles. Um, but, yeah, so I just decided, you know what, let me just make a candle. And the first candle was actually named after my grandmother. Okay. So that's where the inspiration came from. Um, so, yeah, I left that out of my bio. Okay. All right. Um well, the next question was, what was it that led you to form um, your business? So you said, you know, just kind of as a way to work through your grief at that point in time. How did it grow? Like, how did you think to grow it out of that? Um, well, when I first started uh, New Dawn, it was, I just, I did it small. I'm like a perfectionist, so I don't really tell people things and put things out until I'm sure that it's right. Right. Like, I'm very critical <laughs> and I'm for doing that you know I have that same critique against myself so um people were liking it and like this is my family immediately but you know your family loves you so it, sometimes you can feel that 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 feedback can be biased right. so I um, then I just started sending out to my friends and things like that and they were like okay I like it and I was dabbling in like the soy uh candles and you know, because that, at the time when I was doing my research, they it was like, oh, soy is so it's so healthy and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So, but for me, I didn't really like the product. Like, it was good. The fragrances were good. The first two that I had, so it was Billy um, after uh, Billy Holiday and mm-hmm. then Nina. I mean, I'm sorry, then Audrey, which is my grandmother's name. So that was the first two. Okay. So those were the two that I was kind of working on. And people liked the fragrance. Mm-hmm. So I was really cultivating that for years before I actually launched um like got a website and just really started you know pushing it um and then 
so I needed, I didn't need a scene, but I, I love blackness, so everything about being black, despite the struggles, I think we're just resilient people, so all of my candles are actually uh, named for black people who have been influential either in my life or uh, everyone else's life wow. out in the world. Wow. Can you give me some examples? Oh, yeah, of course. So I have, uh, so I have, I try to do a pairing, female and male, keeping okay. the balance, right? Okay. So the first one, of course, was my grandmother, which is Audrey, and then I dabbled in Billy. I was like, I love Billy Holiday, so let me do something like Gardenia, floral fragrance, and Billy Holiday mm-hmm. came about. And then over the last, over the course of the years, I had, um, I have a Marley candle because everybody knows me, love, I knew the I love Bar Marley, like, mm-hmm. he's hanging up. <laughs> house like he's a family member right, right. Um, <laughs> and and then it was malcolm x okay and um duke ellington oh, nice. i have a camera named duke they all it's all first names so it's it's marley malcolm duke julius um after dr j dude okay. i just think he's just so fine <laughs> so i just okay. named the candle after julius and um and then it was audrey Billy, Nina, for Nina Simone. A lot of right. people think after me. I'm not that self-absorbed. Um, and Geneva, my other grandmother, okay. who um, had passed away when I was like 16. Okay. Uh, and that was like, that was a tough, that was the first time someone that close to me had passed away, so it was really tough. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's about giving, paying homage to people that have affected my life and you know my grandmothers may not be famous or you know influential to other people but they were the most influential to me so when I burn those candles it's kind of like um their energy and spirits still here with me guiding me and I like to send those to people who are like going through uh, challenging times like if my friends lose a loved one or something like that Mm -hmm. I like to send them as my guardian angels um people to just kind of share that good energy and so i had eight candles for the first few years Uh and then recently um just expanding because i wasn't going to go too far it's like i'm going to have eight signature candles and that's it but you know after a while you have the same things and you have to you have to constantly grow um as a business and as a person so i developed two new candles uh, this last year, I did a. I had a, a trip down to my family's from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, my great, my my great grandmother and great uncles and everything. So we have like a hundred acres in South Carolina. I hadn't been down there since I was like in the second grade. Right. So we were we went we had to go down there just to kind of take care of some business and stuff like that. Yeah, and just I, being I down that, there, I, I saw that road trip on Facebook. <laughs> Yes, yes, and, you know, just being down there and then just seeing the acres and acres and acres of cotton Mm. as we were driving down, it just put me in a space, like, Mm -hmm. just being appreciative of what, you know, because, I mean, we saw the deeds that he originally signed, because what happened was the land belonged to my great-great-grandfather, and uh, I believe he lost it. Do some, do some taxes or something like that. So my mm-hmm. great uncle, um, he, you know, worked for the railroad system and he was able to save up money and he bought the land, he bought 50 acres, which was the amount that my grandfather lost, and then bought an additional 50 acres. Oh, wow. He never had any children 
so it was left to his heirs, and his heirs were his two sisters, um, one being my great-grandmother, Rebecca. So just going back and just seeing and understanding history, number one, Mm -hmm. and um, just just reading over all the documents and just understanding what my family did to get from there to here. I was just grateful for that. So the last candle that I developed was, it's called Harrison, which is um, their last name. Um, And then the most, and then the next candle that I did was for Zora. I call it Azora, but it's for Zora Neale Hurston. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the, so now I have 10 uh, signatures. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. So uh, well, tell me about this uh, linen mist. What is that about? The lineage collection? You said the linen mist? Oh, the linen mist. Um, so the linen mist basically mirrors the uh, the candle fragrances. Okay. Um, you know, I just, uh, again, about adding, adding to the offerings. Right. Um, some people like, you know, their linens to smell fresh. Um, you can spray it in your car. Uh, you can spray it on any fa- or any fabric, basically. Um, so it was it was sort of invented just as, like, something you can travel with. Like, you can spray it in your office. Like, because we have cubicles in my, in my office, which are covered in fabric. So occasionally, you know, when I need to decompress or something like that, I'll mm-hmm. just spray it around the office um, just to give my office a boost. Um, so, yeah, that was just an accompaniment to um, to the candles. Are you, are you looking to expand, <clears throat> even add more even more products, or are you, are you settled for right now? Are you, how, how, what other areas are you thinking to, I guess, evolve into? So, my passion mm-hmm. is, oh, that's what I left on my bio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my passion has always been... Um, architecture and interior. Oh, you know, okay. I went to high school. You know, we, you know, for uh, pre-engineering. So I was one of the one of the kids that was in a a, a small program at Dunbar High School um, for pre-engineering. So I started off in engineering, and um, when I got accepted to college, uh, the college that I went to, which was Morgan, they didn't have an undergrad program for um, architecture. Mm-hmm. So I just decided to go into uh, social work. I was like, uh, yeah, I got into this school, which was like probably <laughs> one of the few schools that I didn't get accepted to. Um, and my grandmother said that, you know, me and my best friend couldn't go to the same college. She was trying to break us up. So she she was shipped off to um, Eastern Shore, and I was at Morgan. And so I was already there. So I was like, well, I got to pick a degree, uh, pick a major. So social work is there. I like helping people. Mm. Not really, but I do. So. That was what happened with that. So after I graduated, I went back to grad school because they they did have an architecture program, but it was a graduate studies. So that was, uh, it's always been my passion. So for me, I wanted to expand. When I created it, I wanted to start off with candles. Mm-hmm. I also had like a pillow collection too, but I was making it all on my own. And that was just a lot to okay. balance, like trying to sew pillows and make candles and do all of this stuff. So I, I kind of put a, a a pin in the interior accessory part, but that's a road that I'm that I definitely want to uh, go down. And I'll probably I probably won't make it myself because the whole niche was everything I do is handmade by right. me. Yeah, um, 
So yeah, I'll probably just start getting some wholesale stuff that cool, <laughs> and, and carrying it on the site. I like that. That sounds cool. All right. Um, <clears throat> so what do you enjoy most about this? Creating. Um, I'm not the business person. Like, mm. I mean, I can be when I have to be, and, and, and that's a part of being in business. You you have to know the business, yeah. but you also have to have the sensibility to bring people in that are just naturally good in certain areas that you're not, that that frees you up to be creative. So when I come up with something, um, like when I develop a fragrance, because my fragrances aren't like straight out of the bottle, because I mean, if you know candle making, you know you you have to buy the fragrances. Or, you know, if you're a bigger brand, you you create your fragrances. So for me, it's, it's almost like a chemistry project. I'm like mixing and blending different fragrances to kind of come up with something that resonates with me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also... <coughs> It in line with my existing fragrances. Like, my fragrances aren't, like, what you find in a typical uh, Bed Bath & Beyond mm -hmm. or Body Works where it's just really tooty, fresh, and fruity. I'm, <laughs> I'm going for more of a sick, uh, sophisticated adult fragrance. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I got you. So, I, I got, you just raised a question for me. From, I guess, from, you know, the concept phase... You know, like when you first think about it to when you are when you are ready to say, okay, I'm, I'm done. This is it. How long is that process for you? Oh, Lord. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. When, before I, I, so I had started developing stuff in 2010. Mm -hmm. And it literally took years before I even got to a place where I was comfortable to even, like, put it out to the world. Okay. Um, I had to kind of. I had to stop that process because you can't take that long. Like, you can wait for your favorite artist to put out an album mm -hmm. for years and years and years because you're playing their music. But for a business, you mm. can't really take that long of a process. So right. I have my core people that I, I come up with the fragrance. Once I determine that I like it, mm -hmm. I'll give it to some core people that I trust. Their okay. feedback is going to be honest. Okay. And that can take anywhere from a week to a month because okay. I like to live with it like you can make a fragrance today and say oh yeah this is the bomb I love it and then the next morning I wake up and smell it again I'm like nah that's, that's a flop so and I make probably between four to ten different combinations oh wow okay yeah, so, and then I, I just let my testers, first of all, my husband and our son is the first, they, they do the first round right, right, <laughs> of, yeah. of testing. Um, and then I send it out to my friends, which I call the commission, because anything that I do before I put it out, I kind I, I want to get feedback. When it came down to the logo, like, I designed everything, my logo, the packaging, everything. Okay. So I just sent it to <clears throat> everyone and, and just got their, their blind feedback. Okay. All right. Cool. What um what has been your proudest moment so far in this endeavor, in all of your endeavors? Um, the proudest moment is when um first off the proudest moment was actually launching the site and getting an order. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That wasn't from a family member. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was my proudest moment because that it, it just gives you confirmation that you're doing what you're doing is okay. Now everybody's not gonna like it. I won't say that everybody likes every single fragrance that I have, but right. someone 
but there is someone that likes a fragrance that I have, which is all 10 so far. Um, so that was the proudest moment. And then when I did like my first pop up, actually, no, not when I did my first pop up, um, I did, there was a, a boutique that's no longer open. It was a salon actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and they carry the, the, uh, the candles and the butters actually. And I also have, um, a whipped shea butter oh, yeah. um, that's also a part of the, the offerings and the, the fragrances aren't the same as the candles and okay. the lindenness those two separate things um, and with the butters I try to stay with um, sort of muted fragrances um, again I'm not trying to be something else and I know like a lot of people if they're using like a natural product they don't want a lot of fragrance on their face I'm a person who if something's too fragrant mm-hmm. I won't put it on my face right. um, so I want my product to be able to You want I want to use it from your head to your toe like your hair all the way down to your feet so I don't do like overwhelming um, fragrances so that having them carry the butter and the candles was was like a moment to say, you know what, go ahead, you can move forth. And that was like the catalyst for me to really, really start pushing it. Then I started doing pop-ups and stuff like that. Nice. All right. You spoke about, uh, you know, the black community. How important do you view entrepreneurship to the black community? I didn't really... I didn't really understand, and this is so bizarre because I didn't, I didn't really understand how important it was. Mm-hmm. So again, going back to my family, right? So everyone who knows DC knows that like H Street is a a, a prominent, well, not I won't say prominent area. Now it is, but H Street is a main street mm-hmm. in in the city. Right. Um, and my when my family relocated here, my grandfather and my great grandmother and my great aunt they had a bar and restaurant on Fifth and H. Oh wow! I grew up in that bar. Um, because after you know it, it was like a, a pass down type of thing. So my great it was called Becky's Place. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Rebecca. So <coughs> it was a place that I, I would go to as a kid and just, you know, see all the different characters and listen to all the good music and eat all the good food mm-hmm. as a kid. And my grandmother, Audrey, she ran it with um, two of her cousins um, after my uh, great-grandma kind of, like, got up in age. Well, she actually, she was in the back cooking. So it was kind of a family thing. And... We knew it existed. It was a part of our, it was like the fabric of our lives. But I didn't really put, I didn't really connect the importance of having your own. Mm -hmm. Because it was almost just like I grew up in it. Right. I didn't see the juxtaposition between somebody getting up going to work every day for someone else someone getting up going to work for themselves. Um, And then like in, I would say once I got into high school junior high school um she closed the bar and restaurant and ended up having to go to work like she literally had to start all over from scratch um she went to uh it was this trade school up in northwest i forget the name of it but it was right off of georgia avenue she used to go there take classes at night get her um stuff together and she ended up getting a job out in Bethesda, and I watched her get up at every day at 4 o'clock in the morning 
and go all the way out to Bethesda and work. And it wasn't until I got older that I realized, damn, we had something. Right. On on H Street. So now, like when I ride down A Street, I'm getting, I get sentimental because I'm like, shit, I see, pardon my language. I used to be in this space and now I see someone else in it. Mm. It it just kind of makes me feel like, wow, we lost a part of what we had because she had it doing, like when the riots, like she told me about having to put the black signs, like black owned signs out there. You know, A Street was ruined when um, Martin Luther King was uh, murdered and just to hear those stories, and now as an adult, it just makes more sense. You know, it, it kind of, I, I get it now. I didn't get it as a kid. I didn't see that it was um, a great thing to have. I just right. thought it was kind of normal-ish. Right. Is our last formal question, our last formal question. What do you want your legacy to be? Hmm. I don't know what I want my legacy to be. I I just want, as far as, like, my life is concerned, I want to live happily. Okay. Um, and whatever that may be. You know, some people equate success with money. Of course, I love having money because I like shopping and living and traveling and doing stuff like that. But I don't think that money always makes you happy. Right. Um, I think that being able to live your truth um, being able to just do things that make your heart happy, that make your family happy. Uh, that's what the, that's kind of what I guess I want my legacy to be. I have kind of like, I don't want to say the, been the black sheep of my family, but I've always been different from everybody else. Right. I, everybody else is kind of, they do the safe thing or, you know, they're, they're, they were kind of scared to go out and live. I wasn't, I, I got up out of here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> after college, I moved to New York. Everyone was like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Like, it was like I was moving to the moon or something like that. I'm like, I'm living, right. you know, and I had a lot of fun. You know, I, I was able to work in the music industry. I worked in the fashion industry. I traveled. Um, and that's what I kind of encouraged um, mostly the young women that I speak to, mm-hmm. um, I try to encourage them to, to live before they get settled in and, you know, to say, okay, this is what I want my life to be. Like, go out and experience. This world is so big. Right. There's so many different cultures, so many different everything that you can experience before you come back to this little cocoon that you call your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so my legacy is for to just constantly encourage not only just women, but everyone to just to live and, and see the world and all that it has to offer. Um, it pains me to see people like never have left the city. Like I remember when I came back, I was like, these motherfuckers was here when I left and I've been gone a long time. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, even when I was in Baltimore, part of the reason what made me leave, because I didn't finish the graduate program. I like I was a year away from graduating, but I just couldn't be in Baltimore anymore. If y'all think it's bad now, y'all you should have seen it in the nineties, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> late nineties. Um, it was it was literally I used to say it was it was a line through the city. Either you were using or you weren't, and it was like really no middle, and it was. It, it felt like a black cloud. I couldn't be there, like, not one more second. My Some of my friends had already moved off and, you know, started living life. And I was like, yo, I'm out. 
I can't do this. And I literally just left the program with a year left. to gra- I would have had a graduate degree in architecture, probably went, would have been an architect somewhere. Because I even went to Chicago. I was like, I'm just leaving Baltimore. I'm going to go to Chicago, enroll in school because they have some great architecture programs in Chicago. So I was like, I'm going to go over there. Um, and unfortunately, at the time, I was dating somebody. They didn't want to move to Chicago. We went together, but they didn't want to go. And then, so New York, he was from New York. I don't want to go back to New York. And I was like, well, I'm out. Right. And, you know, dipped. So I just want people to not make decisions based on other people. Make decisions based on yourself. And even if you are in an environment that doesn't necessarily support growth and development, Find, look around. You it is always a diamond in the rough. You can whether you're on the bus every day commuting and you see that one person that's that look like they have it together. Let that be your inspiration. If you work in a, an in, a, in an office and you feel like you know what that person is kind of going in an area that I want to go into, attach yourself to that person. Get those, some of those qualities that they may have and incorporate them in your life. Because you know when we grew up in this town, we would DC was the murder capital. Mm, yeah. Half of us that still here shouldn't even be here because of the lifestyles that we were living or around. And I just always knew, even though I dealt with some of the the grimiest and shadiest of them all, I all, I still always knew in my heart that I wasn't that wasn't going to be my life. That wasn't going to be the end game for me. So always be your number one cheerleader and yes. encourage yourself to be better and step outside of that comfort zone. Yes, I don't know if that's a legacy, but that's yes. my message. Yes, it, it, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is a message, a word for the day. All right. Uh, so let's uh, let's hit these uh, less formal, more fun questions. I need from you five numbers between one and sixty-nine. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, seventy-four. No, between one and sixty-nine. Oh, sixty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, five. Uh huh. Um, six. Okay. Uh, four, 45, because I'm turning 45 this year. Okay. And you said how many numbers? Two five. More. So I need two more. Okay. 13 is popping in my head for some reason. I'm okay. not sure why. And three, because okay. things look better in three. Okay. And, um, um, I need a number between one and 26. One number between one and twenty-six. Yep. I'm gonna say five because May. Okay. All right. So here we go. Number three. Uh, oh, okay. Hold on. So the question before that was cake or pie. So give me your top two favorite cake or pies. Uh. So if, if cake is my favorite, I gotta give you two of my favorite cakes. Yeah. Carrot cake with, with the um, coconut and German chocolate type of icing. It's mm. a very weird combination, but I love it. Um, and coconut cake. Okay. All right. Number five. What is your most memorable meal? Oh, my most memorable meal? Yeah. Oh, uh, I would say the most memorable meal is uh, when my husband hired a chef to cook a surprise for my birthday. Oh. Uh, about two years ago. That's sweet. Uh, <laughs> number six. What is that? What's the grossest food you've ever eaten? To be polite. Oh. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I would 
somebody cook that always wants to cook, but uh-huh. I, it hurt. I can't tell them no, I don't like it because it's going to hurt their feelings. But <laughs> me and my grandmother used to talk about it all the time, but I'm not going to name names. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. All right, uh, 13. Oh, if you were to co-host a cooking show, who would your co-host be? hard i don't know because um well it would have to be somebody that you have fun with and somebody that can cook real good um mm, i don't know why this name just popped into my head because i think they're really funny but just hilarious i think would be funny on a cooking show for some reason um and then another person uh, i don't know I would throw in a man somewhere just because, I don't know, <laughs> but I can't think of one. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, oh, okay. 45. What was your first record, tape, or CD that you ever owned? Oh, um, damn. It wasn't one that I owned, but it was one that I loved, and it was the, um, it was the Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a double, and I'm, in, I'm just envisioning this right now because I used to lay on the living room floor and open it up because it, it was like a double, a double. Um, I know record. what you're talking about. And mm-hmm. on the inside, he was like laying down off so, the like, wall. Like, he was my boyfriend. Yeah. Oh that's no, no, no. The was it off the so wall or was the one in the white? Open it yeah. <laughs> and play it on the record record player in the living room uh, and like lay on the floor. He'd be laying right there beside me listening to uh, hey. the song. <laughs> Every time I think about Michael Jackson, that is the exact album I think about. And I see him laying on the floor. (laughs) That was my bag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. All right. Last question here. Question five. Question five. What is your most embarrassing moment from your teen years? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, getting into a fight at, at Langley. Getting into a fight with one of my very good friends because somebody else gassed us up to fight each other. Oh. Like that was. It wasn't only embarrassing, but it was horrible. Because she did punch me in my eye, and I had a black eye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we were friends. So I'm like, what about all this to happen? Oh, did, did y'all did y'all come back from that? Yeah. Okay. Good. good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Nina Green. I really appreciate it. Um, You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Um. Yes. Uh. My first one of my businesses is New Dawn. It's spelled N J U D A W N. Pronounced New Dawn, and it's a play on my name because my middle name is Jadon. First name's Nina. Um. And then my second business, which is an online um women's clothing which is called rain boutiques and that is r-e-i-g-n boutiques with an s.com those are the two places i want you to go check it out and or instagram follow me on both of those all right well thank you very much have a good one you too all right Bye. i want to thank nina green for joining us this week Support New Dawn and Rain Boutique. Tell your folks to do the same.
This week's independent practice, or food for thought. Reed Hoffman, co-founder of LinkedIn, once stated, An entrepreneur is someone who will jump off a cliff and assemble an airplane on the way down. I think about the words of Maggie Lena Walker, the first female bank president of any race to charter a bank in 1902, who said to avoid the traps and snares of life, black women must band together, put their mites together, put their hands and their brains together, and make work and business for themselves. Black women entrepreneurs aren't building single-engine planes. They're building airbuses, providing resources and opportunities that lift not only them, but the entire community. As I've stated before, the idea for this podcast grew out of conversations had and not had about the civil rights movement, in particular first-hand accounts of life in Washington, D.C. at that time. One of the topics that always comes up is what happened on 8th Street Northeast. Hearing Nina talk about her family's business on 8th Street, growing up there, and only realizing it's important after it was lost, brought back the emotions I felt at the onset of this endeavor. Her further explanation of the motivation and purpose behind the creation of her business only served to further affirm my beliefs. I'm doing this not for myself, but for those that came before me. Those that knew what I would become before I knew what becoming was. I do it for those that will come after me. I aim to lay a framework for community engagement and activation that may not be traditional in form, but can be just as positively effective as traditional methods in terms of community response and progress. I want to be a part of the conversation. That's my wheelhouse. One thing not discussed during the interview is the fact that Nina and I went to high school together. We weren't the closest of friends, but I did consider her a friend, and I hope she felt the same. I never told her, but I always admired her. She seemed to have this sense of freedom that I wish I had. She wasn't a wild child by any means, at least I never thought so. She just seemed to have a level of confidence that I thought kids our age only gained through freedom I never knew. She inspired me. <laughs> she was down to earth as fuck. Still is. Anyway, I say all this to say that I appreciate Nina for joining us this week. We've only seen each other a little more than a handful of times since we graduated almost 27 years ago. However, she didn't hesitate. Outside of the bio, <laughs> continuing to exhibit the confidence initially demonstrated so many years ago. I continue to admire her, and she continues to inspire me. Thank you, Nina. All right. Let's take a break. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. As it is the fifth month, here are this week's five mental health awareness tips, numbers six through ten. Six, go off the grid. Leave your smartphone at home for a day. Seven, spend some time with a furry friend. Time with animals lowers the stress hormones. Eight, show some love to someone in your life. Close, quality relationships are key for a happy, healthy life. Nine, dance, dance, dance. Self-explanatory. Ten, feeling stressed? Smile. It may not be the easiest thing to do, but smiling can help to lower your heart rate and calm you down. But as I think about it, this is the third week of May. So we should be on numbers 11 through 15. So to catch up, here are mental health awareness tips numbers 11 through 15. 11. 
Feeling anxious? Take a trip down memory lane and do some coloring for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Coloring is fun, y'all, and it relaxes you. 12. Get out of your comfort zone. Do something adventurous or exciting that you've never done before. 13. Take time to laugh. Hang out with a funny friend. And if you're my friend, hang out with me. <laughs> 14. Go ahead and yawn. Studies suggest that yawning helps cool the brain and improves alertness and mental efficiency. And 15. Be a tourist in your own town. Oftentimes, people only explore attractions on trips. But you, you live here. Or there, wherever you are. So see what you're working with. Now, feel free to use, not use, adapt. Share each tip as you see fit. Again. I ain't make them up, I'm just sharing. Let's close this week out. Your homework for this and every week is hashtag build a table. What spaces are you entering? Who are you showing up for? And what are you going to do? Now, tell me about it. In fact, tell me your thoughts about the show in general. Again, as an educator, I have an open-door policy. So, get at me on the web at www.blatantfrankism.com. That's www.blatantfrankism.com. On email at bfrankism at gmail.com. That's the letter B, F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M at gmail.com. And on Twitter and Instagram at bfrankism. That's the letter B, F-R-A-N-K-I-S-M. As for the Powerball, we didn't win last week, but we'll keep playing. Today's Powerball numbers are 3, 5, 6, 13, 45, and the Powerball is 5. If you win, pay it forward or put it back into the community. I want to thank my sponsor, Crafty Nubian Sister. If you have some gear you want personalized or you have an event that you need to get some gear personalized for, check out Crafty Nubian Sister on Facebook. That's C-R-A-F-T-E-E-N-U-B-I-A-N-S-I-S-T-A-H. Crafty Nubian Sister on Facebook. Today and always, don't forget to check on somebody. And if you need somebody to check on you, let them know. Alright, that's it for this week. Get at me.